Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. So fuck you and fuck your baby and fuck your wife. <laughs> Why fuck them all? Does he have headphones? Understand. We're recording at a barbecue gas station. We're not pausing this to put a baby in there. So, uh, so you can just stop it, right? You're half drunk and high oh, trying to read a map. Right, here we go. We're literally... We we're on the edge of the Grand Canyon. That's my whole job when I'm on the road is protecting my butt. Stoner! And the fat man. He says, man... You really need to turn your life around. Fuck you, Mark. Mark, pull up this <laughs> Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Poulos, as always. It's good to be back. I uh, decided to do a podcast today on uh, the 12 steps. If you're uh, not familiar with it. It's a program that was developed for alcoholics in, I believe, the 20s or 30s, and uh, it's now being used pretty much across the board for anyone that has an addictive personality, and uh, obviously, if you listen to my podcast, I am currently going through recovery, and I'm working the 12 steps, and I've worked them twice now. And, uh, they've been a lifesaver, man. I, uh, I don't know, a lot of people crap on the 12 steps, you know, because there's a lot of God involved into it, a lot of spirituality, and, uh, I think you just gotta kind of make it your own, you know. It's not so much, I think, the idea of God or being religious to be in the 12 steps, it definitely helps if you are. I think it's just the sense of the idea of knowing that you alone can't do this, you know. And the reason that I wanted to do this podcast was uh, a friend of a friend is suffering from alcoholism right now, and... uh, they are kind of unwilling to uh, see that they have a problem and uh, do something about it. And I think that's the most frustrating thing about people that are on the edge with their addictions. And, you know, can it literally can be anything, you know, alcohol, sex, drugs, gambling, anything that's bad for you that's causing destruction in your life you know is uh is definitely something that you want to look at to try to you know adjust and uh it's hard man it's hard to get people to want to get help you know because that's the hardest part about recovery and addiction is if that person doesn't realize that they have a problem, there's really nothing that you can do to make them see that they have a problem, you know. 
obviously, uh, I think it was AMC or A&E that had huge success with Intervention, which was a show basically completely built on families with people that had addictions and confronting them with them and trying to get them to go into recovery. And I don't know, I was kind of, I just, I don't believe in the intervention. You know, I've seen enough Dr. Phil's and the aftermath of the interventions. And I mean, you come down to one specific point, and that is the person has to seriously want to get help. Like, they've, they have to hit their bottom. And a lot of people say that, like, you know, hitting their bottom. Like, what's your bottom? And it's obviously different for everybody else. I think the whole point of it is that your bottom is the point where you kind of come to that realization that what you're doing is destructive. And no matter what you do, you, you yourself are, are not going to be able to um, to stop it. So you're going to need a higher power, is what they say. Whatever that might be, you know, whether it's uh, your sponsor and the group, you know, God, or, you know, whatever you just need that thing to to help guide you you know and for a lot of people it's 12 steps you know and uh it's hard too you know because when i hit my bottom and i decided that i needed the the 12 steps you know i didn't I didn't even know how it worked. You know, I looked it up on the internet and I read the steps and I'm just like, I, this is like gibberish to me, you know, but once you get in the program and you go to meetings and you kind of, you know, let everything out and because there's just something, you know, undescribable about going someplace to a 12 step meeting and sitting in a circle with a bunch of people and knowing every single person in that circle is going through or has gone through what you're going through. You know, it's like a, a pretty powerful thing, you know, but each person kind of has to come to that realization that they need to be there, you know, and that's that first step of the 12 steps is that you need to admit that you are powerless over whatever it may be, alcohol, drugs, gambling. You have to admit that you're powerless over it, that no matter what you do, you can't stop. And it's like amazing how many times that I stopped and thought, well, you know, I've got it under control. And then you make these little concessions like, I'll only do it at night or... I'll only do it on the weekends, you know. I'll only gamble when I'm performing at a casino. I won't go out of my way to go to a casino. Or setting budgets for yourself. Like, I'm only going to 
gamble this $20 and then that's it, you know, and it never helped. But the second part of that first step is not only admitting that you are powerless over it, also that your life had become completely unmanageable. And that's important too because, you know, there are a lot of people that get into recovery that, uh, you know, they their life isn't completely off the rails. You know, it's like you see these intervention things and the people that are on there, you know, they're like living in a cardboard box on the street and they're prostituting themselves to get money to buy cocaine or whatever. You know, there's different bottoms for different people, you know. When uh, when I hit my bottom, you know, it's just, it's hard to explain, but you just have that realization that life has just become unmanageable because of this addiction. And it's a hard thing, you know, when you go into a 12-step program and you make that admission that you were powerless you were powerless and your life is unmanageable you have to write down all of the times in your life that you felt powerless and your life had become unmanageable because of this addiction that was tough I think my first step was like I don't know 14 pages long and then I had to go and I had to stand up in the group and I had to read these, whatever, 14 pages in, in this room full of people. And they all sat quali- quietly and listened to me. And it was kind of funny because being a stand-up comic, you would think that I wouldn't have any problems speaking in front of people. But it's like, when I'm a comedian and I'm on stage, like a lot of times I'm hiding behind kind of this mask of comedy, you know. It's not real. It's just comedy, you know, making up all this stuff. I'm trying to make you laugh. So it's just, you know, it never seems real. You know, I'm playing a character on stage. It's like, but in that group where I had to stand up and read it all to this room full of strangers, um, it was pretty tough. But I'll tell you what, when I was finished, it felt amazing, you know. But, you know, each step step builds on each other and you and you have to work them, you know, as quick as you can. You know, they always say that if you kind of leave them, you know, you do a couple of them and then you kind of leave it for a while and then you do a couple more. Like, it's hard to do it. Um, so once you get through that first step, you know, two and three are kind of pretty easy to not easy, but, you know, they're not writing 14 pages hard, you know. So the second step, which causes a lot of problems, is, well, two and three, um, well, there's just, there's a lot of God in these steps, and it bothers people. And I don't know why, you know, but there are people that don't believe in God, and don't have religion and stuff and they just don't want it stuffed down their throat and and they always tell you in the meetings like you can replace god with whatever you want you know but step two was that you came to believe 
that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity. And that's a pretty easy realization to come to after you go through step one. It's like, obviously, like, I've done everything I possibly can to fix this, and I always backslide and go straight back into it. Because there's something in, like, one of the books that I read that is was literally the thorn in my side and was like the thing that plagued me forever and uh, was something that I struggled with up until about seven months ago was the idea that somehow I could get to the point where I could do my addiction in moderation you know that uh somehow I could control it to a point where I could do it just a little bit, you know, and that was a hard realization to come to too, was that it was all or nothing. Like I couldn't gamble a little bit because it would always end up being a lot. Like to just, I just had to stop it all together, you know? And that was a tough thing to come to because it's like you you make all these compromises and concessions. You know, it's like, okay, I'm not going to gamble, but I'll have uh, slot machines on my phone and I'll play those to kind of get my wiggles out and I won't go to the casino and I'll gamble. And what ended up happening was I'd play the slot machines on my phone so much that I would get a Jones to play the real slot machines. And then when I would do a show at a casino, I'd end up losing a bunch of money. And it's just like... There's just no middle ground with me, you know. It was all or nothing, so. Step three is that you you made a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understood him. And that's important because it's like, like I said, you can use God for anything, you know whatever you understand him as the most important part of it is that you get to a point where you know you have these little things that you do during the day to kind of keep yourself in check you know you you know for me i have like a kindle on my phone and i'll read some meditations you know, for the morning. And uh, they're pretty cool. Like, I'll read... I'll read my meditations for today on here, and you can see, like, kind of what they are. So uh, each day it starts out with a quote. So this quote is from Winston Churchill, and it says, I'm always ready to learn, although I do not always like being taught so it says we addicts are used to learn are used to learning the hard way many of us think we're different and we can do things our own way but then we get into too much trouble or pain the first aa members were just like us they knew how it is to hate being told what to do so they suggest we follow the 12 steps they didn't say we have to do anything They didn't say working these steps is the only way to live sober. They just said the steps worked for them. 
we're finding out that the steps work for us too. We don't have to work them. We do have to stay sober. We just like our new sober life better than our old drugging life. And we're learning how to live this new life by working the steps. So then you turn the page and there's a prayer for the day. It says, Higher power, help me be open to your lessons. Teach me gently and help me listen. And then it gives you an action for the day. List five ways that I get in the way of my own learning. So I read that every day. I think it's cool. And then I have another app on my phone that it's a, it's a meeting finder. Like if I'm out on the road, I can just push a button and find a meeting near me. And that's got meditations too, so I'll read you the meditation for that too. It says, Higher Power, you brighten my day and you also challenge me to keep growing. You have provided me with a unique set of tools and friends to teach me how to use them. Let me reach forward in my recovery and accept the changes that they come. Strengthen my faith in, in your presence in my life. So it's just like, you know, little things that you can say out loud just to kind of keep yourself on the right track. I, uh, when I first started in recovery, I found this webpage that had this huge list of, uh, daily affirmations. And I don't know if you know what an affirmation is, but it's basically like you say something out loud of what you want for your life. And saying it puts it into action. So these are the 33 daily affirmations I'll say from time to time, and they're they're pretty good. And what's funny is the first time I read through these, I had trouble saying them. Like they were emotional for me because I didn't believe a lot of them. And now I believe all of them wholeheartedly, and, and they just make me feel good when I say them out loud. So it says, uh, number one, I am the architect of my life. I build its foundation, and I choose its contents. Today I am brimming with energy and overflowing with joy. My body is healthy, my mind is brilliant, my soul is tranquil. I am superior to negative thoughts and low actions. I have been given endless talents which I begin to utilize today. I forgive those who have harmed me in my past and peacefully detach from them. A river of compassion washes over my anger and replaces it with love. I am guided in my every step by spirit who leads me towards what I know and do. Now, so I don't need to read all 33 of them. I'm sure half of the people have tuned out at this point. Like, what is all this gibberish he's talking about? I don't know. You know, like I've said from the beginning of this podcast, sometimes I'd say probably 90% these are going to be hilarious. But every once in a while, I'd like to do a podcast where it's more serious. So, But I found this uh, this page on the internet, too, that I thought was really cool. And... Uh, I can't remember what the, uh, I'm trying to pull it up. So it's, uh, this affirmation that you read and it says it's, it's supposed to tell you how to begin rebuilding your life and make it ridiculously amazing.
So let's see here. I can't remember how long it is here, but oh, it's not too bad. Wait. Yeah, it's kind of long. But here we go. So it says, I state your name, make a commitment to myself to spend so much time improving myself in my life that I have no time for worry, judgment, criticism, whining, and complaining. To forgive, release, and let go of attachments to any past struggles and allow every challenge in life to make me better, not bitter. Starting now, I make a commitment to let go of what's behind me and start appreciating what's in front of me. Let go of the pointless drama, the toxic relationship, thoughts, and behaviors that are present in my life and constantly shift my focus from bad to good. Make room in my heart for love, happiness, peace, and tranquility. Uh, the present moment and no longer from a place of limitations in the past. I commit to staying true to myself at all times and to never betray myself just because I need to please others. I commit myself to give up toxic thought, behaviors, and relationships and never on myself and my dreams. Starting now and starting today, I begin to rebuild my life and make it ridiculously amazing. So then it gives you a bunch of things that you can do. So it says forgive, release, and let go of past hurts. Embrace with grace all that you face. Visualize your achievements and create your destiny. Dreams won't work unless you do. Take one step at a time. Develop a deep trust in life. Give yourself permission to fail. Be good to yourself. And give up living your life to other people's expectations. Discipline your mind to stay present in the now. Surround yourself with loving and supportive people. So it's like pretty much common sense, you know? But that's what it's all about, you know? People always bag on the 12 steps and stuff. It's like... It's all about self-realization, you know, this one group that I go to, one of the guys there who's my sponsor, he's such a great guy, he puts a lot of stuff in perspective, you know, he's just like, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter what you've done, what matters is why you did it. And that's like the whole point of these 12 steps is to get to the root of the problem, like your your personality traits that trip you up you know your resentments towards people that make you do things so step four is a very tough step a lot of people make it to step four and they don't go through with it because you have to uh, step four is make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves and initially when i worked the steps i kind of thought this meant that you had to write down every horrible thing you've ever done in your entire life, like a moral inventory. So that's what I did. It was like 19 pages long. And uh, to come to find out later, you know, if you read the books, it's more of like finding your resentments or your defects and your assets, like, you know, things about your personality that make you do bad things not the what like a laundry list of all the horrible things you've ever done in your life so i kind of wish i had known that initially <laughs> but uh 
So once you write all that down and you figure it out, step five is you have to admit to God and your and uh, admit to God to ourselves and another human being the exact nature of your wrongs. And then step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, and that's kind of what you're trying to find out. In four and five, is you're trying to find out what your character defects are. You know, like are are you have, you know, are you envious of people? Do you, you know, take pleasure in their fails? You know, do you have anger and resentment towards people and? You know, look down upon yourself. Like you're trying to find these specific things so you can get to the root of it, you know, because you need to stare that shit in the eye so you can let it go, you know. So then step seven is you humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. Eight and nine are another tough part of this program. Because a lot of this program is about, um, I think there's a line in one of the books that says um, something about um, we don't want to keep reliving our past, nor do we want to shut the door on it. So we basically like, we want to see our past as it happened, you know, we don't want to have this like out of body experience like who was that that guy i don't even remember that guy what was he doing like you don't want that disconnect like you were the person that did all that bad stuff but then again it's not all about waking up every day and living in misery and reliving all those horrible things that you did it's about knowing what you did understanding why you did them so you can move on with your life and be a better person, you know. So eight and nine, step eight, you have to make a list of all the people you have harmed and be willing to make amends to them. And amends means different things to other people. Like sometimes they're very straightforward amends. Like let's say you stole money from your brother to gamble. Well, to make that amend, you just pay him back the money and apologize for stealing it and hope he doesn't turn you into the authorities, you know. But sometimes it's a little more fishy. But step nine is you carry out those amends, you know. You make direct amends to such people whenever it's possible. But there's a stipulation. There's a huge stipulation in these 12 steps because... As my sponsor has said many times, we have done enough damage. So one of the big things in the 12 steps is we're, once we commit ourselves to working these, we're not allowed to harm anybody else for whatever reason. Like if there was a certain lie or something you told somebody you know, it would make you feel better if you could just come clean about it. But on the other hand, when you do that, it's going to severely hurt the other person. You're not allowed to do that. So step 
9 it says make direct amends to people whenever possible except when to do so would injure them or others so that's what you have to keep in mind so a lot of times what people do and I did is uh, you just write a letter a truthful letter and a and a compassionate letter to that person and then you just you don't ever send it you know you just kind of get it out and then steps 10 11 and 12 are kind of maintenance steps that you do cuz basically once you work these steps people assume in the program that you know daily weekly monthly yearly these steps are going to play a big part in your life, especially steps 10, 11, 12. 10 is that you continue to take personal inventory, and when you're wrong, promptly admitted it. So it's like, I know for me on a daily basis, you know, you just kind of try to keep yourself on the straight and narrow. You know, you try to basically ask yourself, am I being the best person in this scenario? You know, because that's the hardest part about addiction is like the t- the tiny slips, the tiny compromises, the little things where you're like, well, you know, is this bad or, you know, it's not that bad. I'm just doing this or whatever, you know, and you're like, it's bad, you know. So you have to continue to take that personal inventory. So then step 11 is um, sought through prayer and meditation to improve your conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So it's basically kind of your quiet time when you wake up in the morning and kind of say a prayer and read the meditations and, and kind of focus on uh, just having a good day and staying sober, you know. And then what I've come to find out after working these steps twice is step 12 could possibly be one of the most important steps of this entire program, and that is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry the message to the addict that is still suffering and practice these principles in all of our our affairs. Because it's, you know, there was a... The study that was done, like, you know, in the 40s and 50s when they were doing Alcoholics Anonymous, the success rate was like near 80%. And now in the current climate, the success rate is down in the 30%. Because a lot of people that work these steps, they don't do step 12. They finish them, they feel like they've got a handle on their addiction, and then they just leave. And they don't come back and they don't carry the message to the people that are still suffering. They don't become a sponsor and walk those people through what they did to get. Because I know for me, when I first started in the program, like I would see people that had, you know, six months, a year, two years, three years sober. And I was just like, oh, my God how did they do it? I would love to just sit down with them and like pick their brain and figure out like what little things that they do during the day to kind of keep their mind occupied and that kind of stuff. And, and it got to a point where I got a sponsor and then I found out that he was, uh, 
like knee deep in his addiction daily. And I was like, how are you supposed to be my sponsor when you're not even cured yourself, you know? So then I started trying to find a new sponsor and nobody had like a string of sobriety over like four months. And I was like, what the heck? So I went to a different meeting and I found a guy that had been sober for like 30 years. And I was like, this is the guy I need to talk to. Like he knows. And I'm glad I did because, you know, uh, it's been amazing you know and there's a couple other prayers that they give you to say when you complete the third step prayer you're supposed to say I offer myself to thee to build with thee and to do with me thou wilt relieve me of the bondage of self that I'll do thy will take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I'll help with the power and the way of life, may I do thy will always. And then there's a step seven prayer that you say, uh, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in my way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. I know they're very deep in religion. And I'm sure I've lost a lot of people on this podcast, but I don't know why I thought it would be an interesting thing. You know, I know for me when I realized I had a problem and needed to go to the 12 steps, I didn't really understand it or like know where to start. So I'm telling you, like if you have a problem and you're on the fence about whether you should get help, you should get help. Walk into any 12-step meeting. There's like millions of them around anywhere. Just walk in there, sit down. Everybody's real welcoming. In the beginning of the meeting, there'll be a point where they're going to ask, is this anybody's first meeting? And then when you say yes, you know, they'll assign somebody to, kind of sit you down and explain like how it all worked you know and you don't have to like that moment start working the 12 steps you know you just sit and listen and share and 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 just kind of find a place to understand your problem you know and the 12 steps, you know, they don't work for everybody, but they worked for me, you know. And I'm a happy, well-adjusted person, and, and I'm still working through steps again and still going to meetings and keeping in contact with my sponsor. And it's a daily battle, you know. A lot of people are like, oh, are you cured yet? It's like there's no cure, you know. As time goes on and, and it stretches further and further, like the, the pull to it lessens and lessens. But, you know, you just have to be vigilant. You know, there's a story in, in one of the books about a a guy that uh, was a really bad alcoholic and then he went through the 12 steps and sobered up and everything. And then he worked a job for like 50 years and he was like, now that I'm 
retired my wife is gone like i'm gonna enjoy my twilight years and have a couple drinks or whatever and he was dead in two years from his addiction it's like it's always in there you know it's never not going to be in there and that's the toughest thing for some of these addicts you know they try to make these concessions like okay i can do it a little bit you know just a little bit on sunday you know and it's just like you can't you know before you know it it's going to be full-blown again you know you just got to be vigilant and 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 do your thing so well if you uh you feel like you have a problem or an addiction tons of stuff online to check it out just uh search a like whatever your problem is it's just the initials like if it's gambling it's ga if it's drugs it's na narcotics anonymous alcohol AA, you know there's food addiction 12-step programs there's sex addiction 12-step programs there's you know whatever it is it's out there trust me just google it find a meeting go to it and uh and read the materials and and do the work it's hard work you know but if you want to be sober and happy and alive and and all that jazz you know it's what you got to do so anyways sorry for the sad ass podcast but i hope you guys enjoyed it check me out on podbean itunes largedrunkman.com all the new dates are up there and uh, yeah god bless you guys and thanks for tuning in and you know tune in next time when we talk about who knows. The Serenity of Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next.